0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Bees Pod. Uh, my name is Ian, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by our two fabulous co hosts. Uh, in order of most or least or most least accurate preseason prediction, I'm going to introduce ourselves. That means me going first, having already seen several of my preseason predictions busted. Uh, I think currently in second place, uh, we have got Mem uh, this evening. How are you doing this evening, Mem? And how are you feeling about your predictions?
1: Um, my prediction for finishing top with Woking is out the window when they start, when they signed Charlie, uh, sorry, Alfie Pavey. Um, but I think my Ben Winter one, sadly, it might be coming true.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, you've got to take the way you can. Uh, and finally, perhaps therefore in potentially first place with his predictions with a smirk on his face, uh, this evening is Charlie. How are you doing this evening, Charlie? I'm well,
2: And uh, yeah, older shot beating unbeaten sully hole yesterday and moving into just outside the playoffs has uh yeah given my given my prediction for older shot to be slight uh dark horses this season uh, a bit of a boost to be fair
0: well uh charlie you perhaps your smile this evening isn't just down to your pre-season predictions because you were uh one of the three of us you watched the game yesterday but you were one of the three who was actually there uh regular listeners to the pod will recall charlie's last visit to Dorking didn't end uh in the most exciting of circumstances uh with uh let's say, a, a spirited verbal discussion uh, with one of the <laughs> wags of uh, Barnett's uh, marauding wing-backs. Uh, but this time round, Charlie, it was a, a slightly better experience and where better to start perhaps than than uh, Saturday's 3-2 whenever Dorking. Just talk through the game from your perspective and yeah, just tell us why why it's got you really excited about the season going ahead.
2: Oh, it was brilliant. Um, well, if you'd asked me at half-time, I wouldn't have been given the same answer, but to, to go there, you know, we've never beaten them because uh, they, they beat us at the Hive last year, they beat us in the, the trophy the year before that, and obviously lost their A last season. So, we haven't taken a single point off so them. And when we score those two opening goals, uh, you know, with 20 minutes gone, and we've not got a we've not got Coco, we've not got Riesel Johnson, you're thinking, Oh, here we go again, kind of thing. And you know, Chesterfield had won as well, and you're thinking, Oh, god, like that's you know, one horse race already. Um, and we were we were we were at half time. We were talking about, you know, if the third goes in, should we just go? Because the trains back from Dorking were sort of quite irregular back into Waterloo. And we were saying, should we just if they score again, let's just go, kind of thing, you know, just get us out of our misery. And then um, I don't know what Brennan said to them at half time, but my God, that we came out with we a different team. We were putting on consistent pressure. Um, you know, and and, and this is all with Dorking, who aren't, you know, they're, they're not. You know they can't go under the radar, Dawkins. Um That you know they're a good side and they've shown that in recent weeks, where they went on that sort of brilliant run. And this is all with you know Sam Beard coming in after being in the team uh, and after being alone and missing Alubu and missing some key players. So to come out how we did in the second half, apply constant, consistent pressure throughout. You know the the, the most of the second half and to show the character that we did to come back. I think there was eighteen minutes.
0: I think yeah,
2: twenty yeah, it's minutes. A very
0: quick turnaround
2: between the three goals, which is just, you know, it was outrageous. And some of so the scenes in the away end was just, oh my God, it's some of the best, some of the best scenes I've seen the away ever People just jumping around, shirts off, kissing and hugging like each other. People trying to climb on the bloody roof of the, of the terrace, <laughs> like from the railing. Um, it was special. You know, you go, you only get those and, and to do it Tuesday as well. We're forgetting about Tuesday night, the character we showed coming back. You know, we it's were 1-0 down. We were one nil down for 80 minutes in that game and won it. Um and and being two nil down at half time away and winning, you know, we're pulling out some serious serious results. But um just just finally on it, I think it shows, you know, st- st- moments like that only only happen in like special seasons. And yeah. when you feel like there's a real spe- something really special happening and you can pinpoint stuff out from the 0-5 season. Um also, you know, the 14-15 the uh, season, welling away comes welling to mind. Welling away, opinion. yeah. A yeah there's, there's always moments, the Luisma free kick at the Hive against Alfredton in the last minute. Yeah. um, There's just moments like that where you can just feel at the end of the game that, you know, no one, no one can read into the future. No one knows what's going to happen. But what we can certainly do is, you know, we've got what we know. And what I know is that that was special yesterday. That was a special feeling. Mm. And it was a real collective uh, special moment where we sort of all look at each other, going, "Wow, like something is definitely happening." I don't, I don't know what, but something is happening. happening.
0: Yeah, and then it's it's been really interesting, man, because in the in the previous few games, we've seen Barnett fall behind. To come back and win. York was a good example. Um, a couple of weeks ago that I was at, where we fell behind deservedly, so probably. Or I mean, you know, it wasn't it was very early on, but they they took a, had a good chance and scored. We fell behind against Fylde, and then obviously against Dorking. So, kind of two questions for you, man. First of all, in terms of the games that you've seen and the stuff that you've watched, is there a pattern that's leading us to perhaps fall behind? And then secondly, perhaps more specifically on Saturday's game, it was really interesting listening to Dean Brennan uh, and Mark White after the game both of whom said that actually perhaps the performances between the two halves were relatively even insofar as Mark White thought Dorking actually played better in the second half than they did in the first half. And Brennan obviously made reference to some changes and some points uh, between the two halves in terms of the intensity. But fundamentally what happened is we took our chances really well in the second half and we just didn't throw away easy goals. So two questions there. First of all, what's the pattern between us sort of behind of falling behind? Is that something we need to worry about? And then second of all, on Saturday's game, what did, didn't Brennan do to, to turn it and sort of change it around and get the result that we wanted?
1: I would say that this season, we're not as all action as we were last season. That style of football was just completely unsustainable over a season. And we saw that with how how uh, how much how badly the wheels fell off towards the end of the season. Legs, were, uh, Players were shattered by the end of the season. So we've gone into this season um, specifically looking to play a more patient player uh, game built on um territory built on uh, keeping the control ball. control yeah control keeping the ball now i wonder is whether or not is we're getting stung early in the game because we haven't quite you know got our rhythm yet going and we're getting stung just by you know but let's be fair the fil- the filed goal was a freak complete freak goal uh
0: york yeah they caught us cold I felt we And do- Dawking did as well though, to be fair. I mean, I'm not to sort of cut you off and I'll come back to you, but it is a pattern, right? We are conceding goals with one goal, sure, but we're conceding now you know four goals in the first 10-15 minutes of the last four games, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think part of it potentially is that we're not getting it's taken us a little while to warm up and get into our game. So whether or not there is something in the preparation that we maybe need to do a bit better in terms of coming into a game and immediately, you know, getting into the groove. Um, and not allowing teams to, you know, catch us cold. It's a difficult one because some teams, the style of football lends itself to just having that quick start. And I think Dawkins were very direct early on. Um, I I don't see one particular, I don't think I see one particular thing as pattern. being... Yeah, pattern. But in terms of what Dean Brennan did, I actually think, I mean, I thought the TNT... Um, narrative was ridiculous um the the narrative was very much oh Dorkin this great story Dorkin 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 this amazing you know these underdogs against Barnett against second in the table and it was all about oh Dorkin are unplayable Dorkin are this and I looked at the game and I actually thought yes there were two shocking defensive goals but aside from that there wasn't a huge amount of difference in terms of the way we passed the ball first to second half Kabamba should have scored in the first half with that on the left foot we should have. He had a, another header. Another header. There was a couple of other chances which we didn't put away, but ultimately we were still controlling the game and moving the ball. It's just that they caught us. They caught us with two terrible goals. And then the second half, we just he just made a couple of technical tweaks, and you can do that where you go right. We need to do this slightly better, and we need to have you in that area of the pitch a bit, you know, more. And then those little tweaks can you know just are building blocks over on top of what you're already doing. So there wasn't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he was, you know, reinventing the wheel. I just think he just done a couple of tweaks. Um, to the, And it's, it's,
0: the, it's maybe- been interesting uh, that we, we, Charlie, we've been sort of looking at different players stepping up. Last season, we were heavily reliant on Walker and Pritchard, who are probably our two best players throughout the season to get us points. This season, it seems as though both the responsibilities spread out a little bit more, but also we've seen new players coming forwards. Danny Collinge, Hartigan, really stepping up to the plate, for example, this fantastic loan signing we've got in. Kabamba, obviously, a fantastic goal screen run. What players have really stood out to you, Charlie, in terms of ones that have really shown up and, and sort of moved? Dean always talks about the level being raised and players going with him. Which players do you feel have really stepped up to the challenge this season and ones that you're really excited about? Colin
2: Joubamba goes out saying, really. Colin's been outrageous. I mean, what is he on? Six goals now. Six, six goals from centre-half. But that's not even the strongest part of his game, you know? So the strongest part of his game, if you're not watching Barnet games, you won't even see what he does. You can look at the top scoring chart and see he's on there, but if you haven't been watching it, you're not even seeing his best work. So I think he's, you know, he's just outrageous. Um and Kabamba, what's that? Number ten was that ten goals?
0: That's I think you know it's eleven. I'm not counting anyone.
2: Eleven, is it? In it's an in insane goal return, um, you know, to start the season. But I feel I I feel that his best work, you know, he's got us the goals, but I don't feel that's his strongest. Side, like you know, he does so much more for us than score. Um, and it goes really under the radar, you know, what he does off the ball in terms of you know, off the ball pressing, the way he holds up the play, you know, the way he uses his body and protects the ball and brings other players into the game is just you know, such a big part of us. Um, and what we do going forward, so I'd say those two. And in terms of the, the new boys that have come in, I think Hartigan and Brunt have been, uh, you know, both been Mr. Consistent and both offer something. Really um, special. I don't think we had last year. Um, and Hartigan, I mean, he's just technically, technically, he's heads and shoulders above
0: those three you know, kicks. are ridiculous. Like,
2: most, midf- I can't. I don't. I don't know. Is there a better, a better number six in the in the league? I don't know. I don't think there is. He's uh, he's outrageous. Um, and I'm uh, mad that we've got him for the season. And M- M- Mansfield must have, Javi and Iniesta starting for them because. <laughs> If he he can't get in that team, then the the level in League Two must be off the scales.
0: Mem, another player that's really um, been an interesting one, and uh, Charlie sort of did you in on Tuesday by uh, sharing a screen grab of our WhatsApp uh, (laughs) and of your your comments (laughs) on him, um, has been uh, Stead um, and his kind of role. And I guess it's no, you know, in the last two games in particular, his arrival onto the pitch has coincided with us turning losing positions into winning ones. I'm not going to I'm not trying to draw you and and have uh, people listen to a full blow by blow Uh, recount of your uh, sort of you know Twitter thread on Tuesday about his performance but in terms of the positives what does he bring to this side that perhaps again we didn't quite have last year and interestingly enough if we go back to even when we brought in Harry Smith that necessitates a huge change in how we played perhaps compared to before it seems that sort of steady is kind of slotting in a little bit more and offering something that doesn't necessarily change the whole system of, of how we're playing so just some comments on him and then anything that Charlie's picked up on that you want to speak about as well. I think the difference between him and say
1: the option of harry smith is he he offers a bit more mobility um and he's i was fun enough i was having this conversation with my brother because my brother has actually coached um Callumstead, um earlier in his career and we were talking about the fact that he is he is this very it's clearly he's like this lower league striker who is really energetic really ratty likes to you know as a uh, dean brennan says it would chase a, a packet of crisps in the wind um i still think actually we still we still haven't seen the best of Callum Stead. i think there's there's an there's part of his game that i still think he needs to to work on um i'm not getting like you said about my thread but i still think i still stand by what i said about Callumstead in the thread is that i don't think he changed the game as much as everybody these goals changed the game but i don't think his way he played Changed the 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 pattern of the game, and I, and on Saturday, uh, sorry, against well, against Dawkins, I thought that game lended itself better to him because they're quite static at the back, and as Dean alluded to in his interview, their defenders don't, you know, you can get the ball into the into the strikers a bit easier, um, which meant that he was able to get you know buzz around and get get on the ball a bit more. So I think actually yeah. he the game more, I actually think he affected the game more against Dawkins, uh, with his movement than he did in the other game. Um so but I think he's but I think he's become a, a better a different option for us on the bench. But somebody who's gonna go in behind and somebody who will make yeah. who will keep moving players around.
0: Go on Charlie sorry are you gonna interject there?
2: Yeah I was just gonna say just on stead I think he's he's got um it's something about his low center of gra- gravity and the way the sort of the ball almost sticks to his foot. He's so silky and you know the way he weaves around her uh, players, when he's got the ball and he's skillful as well, he's he's sort of um quite subtly skillful. Um, and I think, yeah, his low center of gravity and the way he can sort of get in behind defenders and his instinct is really good. Like yesterday, I don't know if you remember, but the ball went over the top and he sort of caught the defender on the wrong side of the defender and has got in. And yeah. rather than sort of take, he, he sort of snapshotted it, it hit the side of the post and yeah. went out. But that's just his sort of you know instinct. You can see that he's a He's a sort of um, instinctive uh, finisher. And, and I'm sure one of them, you know, one of them's going to go in sooner or later. But two and two, you can't really complain. God no, me. Well, two and three.
1: There was a big difference as well between the way Fylde set up and the way Dorkin set up. Because what I thought Fylde did really well against us is that they blocked a lot of passing lanes that we'd want to put in, like where we'd want to turn them. And Fylde didn't allow us to. And I was quite surprised with Dorkin um, holding their holding a lead against us, that they didn't drop off a bit further. Dawkins still tried to play toe to toe with us, and I think maybe that was their that was their downfall, in that they weren't dropping off and trying to close the gaps. So it gave us the space for people like Callum Stead to make those runs and stretch them a bit and stretch them more.
0: I think also you you've got to bear in mind that Dorking are quite immobile at the back, as Dean said. And that does sort of, particularly if you're playing a very intensive pressing game, those gaps do emerge. But I think it's interesting. I agree with you, Mem and you, Charlie, that I don't think we were. I think we were very poor at important moments in the first half on Saturday. I don't think we were consistently poor throughout. And actually, we got ourselves, you got college on the ball in quite advanced areas and Harsing, et etc. We just weren't making really good decisions on the ball, but we were in the space to do it. One of the interesting things I want to quickly touch upon is perhaps starting with yourself, Charlie, is uh, the role of wingbacks. Um, we know that last season we kind of moved after the South End game to more of a hybrid system, whereby uh, at the time, Winter was really pivotal to that and Idris as well, giving us that sort of flexibility. This season, we're kind of seeing a couple of really interesting things with centre backs like Collins really advancing uh, high up the pitch with the ball and getting lots of assists and goals. Um, sure. And we're seeing a real importance of of wing backs in our system, in so far as having you know Idris, uh, Sam Beard, uh, Winter, and Reese Hall Johnson. It's also interesting, perhaps, that those players have come in for quite a bit of criticism, um, either from supporters for being inconsistent or not meeting the levels from last year, and also from Dean himself. And I just, Charlie, first of all, in terms of what you've seen about those four players, obviously you've got Coker as well. How do you sort of feel we're kind of looking in the wider areas of the pitch and? I guess, ultimately, with the injuries we've now got, um, perhaps with, or certainly with Coker, there's uh, rumours that, um, I I know there's some discussion as to whether or not he's going to fit into the team long-term, but there's some rumours that also Winter is currently injured as well. Do you feel that that's perhaps an area that we might need to strengthen or look at to really get that consistency in in the play and the performances?
2: I think so, yeah. I think, like, Idris isn't a... So, if you think Coker's our first choice left wing-back, Idris is his replacement. Idris isn't really a wing-back, really, um, so there's sort of you know I'd like to have a uh, more backup in that
0: department and uh, who 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 played but right yesterday? Uh, I think wasn't it Idris? And then we had uh, Beardy.
2: Beard, sorry, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. We need we need someone on the right as well because even if Winner's back, I don't, I, you know what I feel about Winner. I don't think he's, I don't think he's uh, good enough for the team and. I Beard, you know, Beard came back. I've always liked Beard and I did, do feel a bit sorry for him. But I know he got mad in the match, but I know Brenham didn't think he had the best of games. But, you know, I thought he integrated himself quite nicely back into the team, to be honest. His first half was a bit off, um, but you've also got to look at he was playing alongside, um, you know, a Potter, who I think, I don't want to be harsh on Potter, but he had a, didn't think he had the best of games yesterday. And he didn't last year at Dorkin either. I know he played right back, but um he doesn't look quite the same player he was before when we had him last year on loan, which is slightly worrying, and i don't think anyone anticipated that um but yeah, like Brendan said yesterday in his interview you know we can't that can't happen if if we're gonna have if players are going to be injured the whole point of having a big squad is that we've got players who are just as good coming into those positions and can step up to the plate and I think we have that everywhere else in the pitch now um apart from those wide areas at the at the, at the back um so, yeah, no, definitely. I feel like that's something we can improve on.
0: Mem, have you noticed any changes perhaps tactically to what we're doing in those wide areas? Because obviously the personnel is changing a bit and each of those players, Beard, Hall-Johnson, Winter, Kanu and Koka, offer something slightly different that might necessitate a change to our setup. So have you noticed anything with those at all? And similar to what I asked Charlie, do you think there's a need for reinforcement there? Yeah, there is a, there is a
1: difference because last year we were noticing <laughs> it's like the rope around the kind of... Um... The wing backs and the and the back three and the kind of like the the back it was evolving the the defensive work but I've noticed now actually the wingers the wing backs are are now essentially almost wingers, um, and I think that's part of the reason why Sam bid got a bit of criticism from Dean Brennan yesterday because I think he felt that his quality um, on the ball in the first half wasn't good enough, and I, the rotations I'm noticing lately is obviously of the three. What happens is that the two outer uh, centre backs will split, um, as you'd expect, and then have you have obviously sent the centre one, and then what's happening is Hartigan is dropping in, and then what is which is allowing Collinge to break <laughs> to come out with the ball. Now yesterday, what we saw, and I know, actually I was told this, I was given a bit of insight into some of our game plans of late, and we noticed that some of the, uh, there was a couple of teams that were playing, and we noted that. What they did was they would they would try they would let the center center back have the ball. So, in response, what we were doing is we were there was a point I don't know if you noticed. college sometimes comes into the center, and yeah. Sweated. And the reason we did that was because apparently we would allow center backs to get the carry the center person to have the ball and then just cut out the passer lanes. So what we did was we put our best ball player in the center to to breakthrough and yesterday what chemo was doing was he, he noticed that he was getting being left free and so he was charging through
0: the center i don't know he'd done it like yeah. times he a charged times a few times he really carried it up actually yeah. sort of playing in around their balls
1: so so what, what i'm noticing is the rotation is happening at the back where occasionally what will happen is college will go into the center because he'll be the guy who starts the plays if the space is on the outer side it's the outer centre backs will start, and then what happens is, is that as one of them carries it out, you'll if you see Hartigan will drop into the centre, and he will and he will put, he will almost cover for um, the person carried. And what that did does is it commits teams as 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 one of our centre backs carries the ball out, typically Collinge. But yesterday we had a lot of Potter had a lot of the ball, and he, he was very wasteful in possession. Um, is it means that like, you saw this, the first goal came from Collinge having all the time in the world to run. Up and get, got into the final third and delivered across without. Yeah. A so what that's doing is it's 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 giving us that spare man by doing that, and our centre backs are having a lot, doing a lot of actual progression uh, from the back. And
0: I think that's going to become increasingly important as we see, you know, and it, you know, it's interesting, right? We are on more points this season at this stage than Wrexham were last year, and that's crazy because obviously, even though we're in a great position in our heads, that seems like a wild comparison, right, with the likes of Mullen and Tozer and you know Young and all those guys. Um, but obviously, from in our head, a lot of us Barnett fans we're thinking back to the, the journey we've been on over the last two years from being bottom of the league to getting into the playoffs to now being where we are. From opposing time, it's, it's teams' perspectives, it's like, how do we, you know, getting a point at, at the hype is a great result. Getting, some, for some teams, getting a point at home against us is a great result. And so we need to constantly be adapting and adjusting to, you know, to actually having much more of a demand on us when we've got the ball. And we'll see more teams come at us like File do perhaps sometimes with a bit more fitness that could, you know, look and spring a result. So it's really important that we're constantly being flexible. One of the things that I wanted to quickly touch upon, it wouldn't be Barnet. You know, we are, we, you know, really an incredible, one of the best I think I remember uh, in terms of results and performances, um, but it would be Barnet if the fans didn't have something to pick up on. And the latest thing they picked up on uh, is uh, Dean Brennan's post-match interviews. Um Charlie, uh, you know, you strike me as a man with a, a calm and caring heart who would put their arm around Sandee at all times. Um, but do you feel that yeah, any any comments on that or is it not really worth going into at all?
2: What listen, all I can say on it is it's what wor- whatever whatever it is, is working. You know, whatever whatever and I'm sure what Brennan says to us on the camera in his interviews is what he says to them in the dra- in the dra- in the dressing room. Um so you know, and 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 he's right. He said yesterday, no, no, you know what? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I back it. I back what Brendan does. Um, yeah. And he said yesterday in his interview um, that you know the stand the standards have been set now. And he said, look, everyone's getting excited, but it's up to me to differ. It's up to me to get us promoted. And it is it's a ruthless business. And you know, if you're not if you're not good enough, you're not stepping up to the plate. Or he's the man who's in charge and the man who picks a team if he's not happy with what you're doing then I think he has a right to come out and express his uh opinion and express his views um uh, as to how he thinks you know the performances were and how he thinks the game's panned out and I'm I'm sure he says that to their faces as well um and if they, it's Dennis up to them if they wanna you know if they wanna um jump on board and and get on you know get on board and, and get on the train that we're all moving on then that's up to them to step up, and they clearly are because you know he's he's given people pelters over over recent weeks. I know he said that Idris got it. Um, what game was it where it, someone uh, Idris he had a word with Idris or something like that, uh, and he he ended up
0: coming out second half and smashing it. Men, what what about your thoughts on um, on on Dean's post match uh, interview uh, approach? I agree with Charlie.
1: I I for one don't have well. We've met Dean a few times he's no you know he's not one to shy away from uh, difficult conversation and i I believe that all the comments he's made in the in the to the camera he he will have made to the players um, at some point um I I kind of I can see where he's getting at because I actually thought the Sam and Potter were terrible in the first half um I thought their passing was really poor um and they were clearly targeted by Dorkin, because both the goals came from him hitting that hitting their zone i felt that the the sandbeard block in the second half was brilliant but i kind of got the impression that he was put out on the right wing back so he could be less cause less trouble um in terms of for the defense I, i don't know why but i just felt like it was such an odd place to put him at right wing back and i wondered whether or not it was more just like okay i just want you to pin back their left back that's what i want you to do pin him back because going forward, Sam, he had a one chance, but he kept cutting in back in on his left and kept getting tackled and it would go out for a throw. So he was allowing us to keep him pinned in. But I think the feeling was is that we weren't progressing the ball from that left side very well, which is why Pritchard ended up playing left centre-back. And then you had Carnu on the left-hand side as well. So I feel that he felt that that whole left side was not working at all in the first half.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, my, my view is very much similar to, to both of yours. Um, And Charlie, you were saying there it's about success. And I think ultimately it is working. Um, And I think it's actually incredibly refreshing to have someone speak honestly and candidly. And I think a lot of the managers that come out and defend their players wouldn't necessarily say the same things. Uh, You know, they might come defend them out in the media, but then have a go at them in private. And I think with Dean, we just wow. got a little bit more candor and transparency. And I think that's a really... A really healthy thing. And um, before we get into some questions, a couple of kind of more open questions. Obviously, we do find ourselves, I think, in a title race. I think the past few games have really confirmed that. And Charlie, you were talking there about big moments in games and and how important they were and big games themselves. Obviously we've got Chesterfield who are, are really, you know, playing an unbelievable level of football and and and, and sort of really, really trying to accelerate away from us. Um but I guess Charlie question really it, it should in theory it's a yes or no answer, but obviously a bit more detail than that. Is, you know, to what extent are we in a title race? And to what extent should we, you know, be kind of thinking about Chesterfield and and looking at them and yeah, just thinking that we are in a title race. And does that have any any implications for whether we change anything or even in the psychology of the fans, what that means? Because the last thing we want is for this great season to turn into uh, you know, us try to desperately battle against a brilliant side and constantly worry about their results and ultimately not enjoy this incredible journey that we're on.
2: I think we're all, I think we're one hundred percent in the title race. You know, fifteen games in. If you look at the season in two, uh, three lots of fifteen games, let's say, and then we've now completed that first uh, section, the first third of the season. You know, there's there's three points between us and Chesterfield. I think there's, uh, there's a uh, there are three goal plus three goal difference in us, and um, we've drawn two and and um, lost the, what is it? We've drawn two and lost. We basically lost one more game than them, basically. Um, so there's really not a huge difference. And you've got to look at their, you know, their their results. I think Joe Quigley himself has scored uh goals in 84, 86, 91, 94, scored late in the 83rd yesterday against Woodward, So they've been the amount of points that he's won them in the last five minutes of the game, but they're not killing off. You know, they're they're not this. I don't know. I feel like the the league isn't as strong as it was last year. Um and I don't think everyone's putting Chesterfield on this pedal stool and, and, you know, so they should. They're title favourites. They've got the budget. They've got the, si- the size of the club. But I don't think they should be feared. Um, and I think we're, you know, we're, we're just as strong as them. And that was a massive, you know, to show what we did yesterday, it's not only telling the league what we're about, but also Chesterfield, you know, they're going to be looking at that going, right, Barnet aren't mucking around. And they're going to be on our tails to the end. But listen, I said to my, I said to my dad and brother and a few of the people I was with yesterday, after I said, Just even if Chesterfield do win the league, right? As long as we can solidify second spot, right? Which is, I think, we're well on our way to doing. We're now pulled away from Sully Hole, five points clear of them. If we can get second, that gives us one home game at the Hive to get to Wembley to compete in a final to get promoted. So we can, you know, if Chesterfield win the league, which they probably are, fine. The next best thing, winning the the second league, if you like, is coming second and getting that home game at the Hive, get to Wembley, you know, hopefully with the home form we've got. And then you, you're 90 minutes away from promotion and, and a win at Wembley. So I think that has to be... The league would be amazing. I think the realistic, realistic target with, you know, how strong Chesterfield are is finishing second and winning the playoffs at Wembley. Which I think, I think personally, I don't want to jinx anything. I think that's what will happen. I think we're going to win the playoffs. I'm going to
0: Men, say that same same question charlie's feeling bold now that he's winning our little mini prediction league he's going all out with the predictions which i love to see <laughs> um and i hope you're right memo are we in a title
1: race 100% you don't accumulate like i, I think it it's 2.33 points a game which uh, if over the season is 107 points sorry that's that's title form that's title form i know chesterfield is slightly out you know just slightly above us but one of one of us you know is gonna is gonna falter, so let's let's hope it's them and not us. Um, I mean, Wrexham and Notts County had budgets and squads which were just unprecedented, and that it was relentless. But I can't see two teams going at it for that long, you know. And we know that also. Go, Tk come Christmas, Tk will get a bit excited and probably fund something. So um, you know, it's not like we it's not like we're gonna we're gonna have to carry this squad for the. Whole- <laughs> You know, TK thinks we've got him with a chance of championship. He'll he'll put his finger hand in his pocket.
2: Also, just
0: finally, sorry, go
2: on, Charlie. So just say also, right, we're, we're forgetting we got we signed Gary Hooper. If we can get Gary Hooper fit, right, and which I'm I'm sure he is, and he's getting there. This guy was doing it in the championship for Sheffield Wednesday just be, just before COVID, just before the turn of COVID. He's that is a huge drop down to this league. He's still going to have a lot about him. Um, and I think he's our Mark. He's he's our Will Grigg. You know that that Chesfield have signed. He's our he's our Norwood. The old of what? Like he 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 will play. Mark my, my words. He will play a huge huge role in our season this season. He will. He'll score some. He'll score some goals that will you know be be season defining. I'm sure of it. I'm convinced of it. He's too big of a player. and He's done too much in this in this game to not. So the fact we've got him, you know, it's just it's just an insane boost. And um, we've all been crying out for that striker. We've got Stead, Cabamba and a Gary Hooper now. They don't come, you know, much stronger than that at national league level. the Messi, Neymar,
0: and uh, Suarez of uh, the national league. Uh, he outlined. Yeah. In <laughs> well, just before we go to your questions, a very, a very quick, a uh, little bit of fun here. Perhaps the best way of thinking about whether or not in a title race is to compare this season's squad uh, to uh, the 2014-2015 squad. Uh, someone asked me to uh, do this before coming on air, so I'm going to go to both of you. We're each going to pick a position, and I want you to kind of. Yeah, just off the, off the top of your head, based on what we're seeing so far this season, uh, pick the twenty fourteen fifteen or the 23-24 player. So Charlie, starting with your goalkeeper, uh, Stack or Walker? I'm looking. What well, I'm currently looking, if
2: you're wondering what I'm looking at, I've got a frame on my wall that I bought from Etsy, and it's the it's the starting <laughs> eleven in that final game. The Gates the game. The yeah, it's like all the team up there. Yeah. Um, just because I put him in my draft eleven. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I, I i'm i'm going to have to go i'm going to have to go walker I'm all right now now that
0: we obviously play different systems so we're not going to we're just going to compare like for like in terms of players here rather than getting into it um but Coker or johnson
1: at that time johnson
0: okay uh center backs i'm going to get first pick i'm going to go with collins charlie i want another center back so your options are obviously stevens bonds uh or Akimo and aliwo aliwo a luo, uh, and then mem your right back slot. Um, you've got Yeardom, or perhaps we could allow you, uh, potentially carney or anyone else you want to take in there.
1: If it's right back, like true right back, then yeah, it's got to be Hall Johnson against year dom. So I'm going, I'm going for year dom just for okay. a lot of body,
0: right? Into the midfielders. So this is where it gets quite tricky because uh, the starting midfield of that game, or well, the players that came on and played for us in that game, and Charlie, you've got the the memento, so you can correct me, but I believe we started uh with Togwell, Weston and Clifford. Is that correct?
2: That is correct, yeah.
0: So, okay, and we have obviously got Luisma as well. Um, So we'll each take a midfielder that I'm going to put in there. I'm going to start and I'm going to uh, pop in Hartigan because I think Hartigan would walk into that 14-15 side. Uh, yeah. Charlie, another midfielder, please. Pritchard. Man? We think we know who man's going to pip. Luisma. Luisma, but we've still got some quality players there. Brunt perhaps can I just
1: make, players. Can I just make a point about the whole I think <laughs> Brunt is this year's Luisma, but I still think that Brunt is still hasn't caught fire yet.
0: I think if Brunt, yeah. if Brunt could catch fire, then he could be this season's Luisma. It's high praise coming from Mem, who's Luisma's number one fan. Uh then finally the front three. Uh so perhaps t- it's going to actually get quite quite tough. So I, I it's difficult to set up how we how we play, but we'll go with kind of forward players. So I'll allow is three forward players, and obviously you could include Brunt, Lewis, etc et cetera, within that. I'm going to take Akinde as one of my forward players. Charlie, you get to pick a forward player from the 14-15 or 22-23 season. I have to pick a bamba. Kabamba and then Mem completing the lineup. Any attacking player. So I guess your main options would be Mauro. Uh, Charlie McDonald, Michael Gash, Zach Brunn, Idris Carney, Harry Hooper, and Idris. (laughs) So it just goes to show that there is real potential in this side. Well, guys, that was a lovely first part of the pod. We're going to be back in just a moment after a short break uh, to uh, go through the second part of the pod and your fantastic questions. Just a quick reminder before we go into our brief break that there is still time. To vote for Beesquad in this year's FCA's Football Content Awards we're incredibly grateful for all the support so far uh, really really humbled by it but if you have a spare moment uh, please could you uh, do so the deadline is the 15th of October and we really really hope you can get behind us we'll see you in just a moment Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to this episode of Beast Support. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, we're now on to the favourite part of the show, uh, which is answering so many of the brilliant questions that you have sent in. Um, we're going to group these broadly into sections. We're going to start off by looking at some players, then get on to some management ones, and then finally look at some of the final questions that you've sent in. Uh, and perhaps start off with them, some player-related questions. And we touched on a few of these, but perhaps some players that are struggling, first of all. Um, we've seen uh, perhaps Winter and um Potter not quite get or hit the same heights as they did uh, last season so far this time around then with yourself, any comments perhaps on those players there's a questions there from Jimbo and a few others about uh, Winter and Potter yeah I, I feel that the pot, Potter is a lot of it's
1: down to confidence um yesterday I found I felt that he was he he was losing focus and he was 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 mislaying passes, and he wasn't winning balls that you would expect him to win. I think there's, I think there's something going on there with confidence. Maybe kind of he, he doesn't, you know, does he not feel valued because he, he came along alone and he didn't start the season? It's difficult to know, but it, he feels very tentative. It doesn't feel very aggressive. Um, with Winter, he's a bit of a streaky player. So last season he started off pretty poorly, and then it went on a massive run and then got injured and then came back and wasn't quite the same player. Um when Bitwin is good he's very good. But I think the problem is now he's got real competition. He hasn't got he hasn't got the the game time to to find his form. And I think the problem is is that he's had a couple of really bad games and and I think he's going to struggle to be first choice unless he gets on one of those runs that he had last season.
0: Charlie, another player that's um, kind of someone's mentioned a question here. I think it's Jimbo uh, talking yeah. about someone who perhaps hasn't quite reached the same heights as last year is uh, is Carney. And this is again um, from uh, Jimbo. And he asks: is is Carney wasted at wing back? And yeah, your thoughts on that?
2: I guess so. Yeah, I think he, at the end of the day, he's an attacking player. Do you know what I mean? And I do feel like, you know, the way he has to, when he's at wing back, he has to track back a lot. And it's a, it's a lot of running. Um, and I wonder, you know, if that, I know he's a fit. He's fit, but I wonder if that takes it out of him, and you know, jeopardizes and, and sort of is a hindrance on his forward play. Um, there definitely has been, uh, you know, his his product end product in the final third hasn't been as strong as it was last year. I feel like his decision making at times isn't the best. However, the qualities he possesses. Um, in terms of being able to get us up the pitch um him you know going forward and counter attack his skill um i think you know it's it's sort of priceless what he does bring uh, and i feel like that sort of um overpowers the, the stuff that he probably could do better but i think he's he's a must you know to have in the team just because of the the qualities he has and you, and you never know what he could pop up with He could just have a blinder and and you know we need we need to have him in the side because he's because of because of what he does for for us and the team
0: yeah, agreed on interest. I think he's one of those players. You look at him and Kamamba, who are almost sacrificing part of their games to help the team defensively. And I think, yeah, he's just massively underrated in that respect. Um, mm-hmm. a couple of other questions. We we talked a little bit about Hooper, um, not least because of that very catchy song that I saw you sing last night, Charlie, uh, which is <laughs> in my head all morning. Um <laughs> but a, a question here, um, perhaps actually go back to you first, Charlie, because I think you 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 sound like someone who's looks a little bit more at his recent career than perhaps myself or men mm. what do you think he'll bring the side and crucially do you think we could be looking at a situation where he plays alongside Kabamba do you think he'll complement him or do you think it's a situation where perhaps we're going to you know need to kind of interchange the two throughout the season
2: it's going to be really interesting it's, it's, a, it's a headache that I wouldn't want to have but it's you know Brendan's going to have a headache I'm sure when he gets up to full fitness but listen the guy's 34 is that right 35
0: yeah, I, I think he's around
2: that age. 36, 34, 35, 36, I'm not sure, but he's in the mid-30s. The guy's played, you know, the guy's played in the Champions League. He's won he's won the SPA, he's won Scottish Cups, he's played in the Prem, he's scored. He's, he's that faint he's the famous answer for that club quiz question, isn't he? Who's the one player that's scored in all of these leagues and competitions and stuff? And it's, it's Gary Hooper, the answer. I don't know if you've ever seen that um, question. But uh, yeah, he's quite a famous, quite, famous. quite a famous pub question, yeah. So listen, I think I've, I've been watching some of his stuff. Um, I watched um, his his most recent time in England at Sheffield Wednesday, in uh, from you know his last season he had there was I think 18, 19. I watched his goals from that season, and then I digged into his his season in Australia, which I think he had just after COVID. And um, listen, it's difficult to it's difficult to say you know what level that is, but. You don't you don't lose it, and and you his, some of his finishes are so um, unique and so uh, you know he's he's a proper striker. He knows how to finish. Um, he's got a he's got a bit of pace as well. But you don't lose that quality. And thirty five is you know he's still got he's still got uh, years in him. I remember in League Two when we had forty year old Paul Furlong. You know what I mean? And I'm not comparing the two players, but if you're a striker and you're a goal scorer and you have played at that level. That's not just going to leave you overnight. Um, So, for if we can get him up to full fitness, um, and we can get him, I I genuinely believe we can get him scoring goals and not just goals. You know, important goals and him playing a pivotal role for us to play in terms of how he's going to play and where he's going to play. I don't know. I don't know if that's, you know, if we change the system and have two up front, or I don't know what that, you know, what that does for Stead as well. But listen, it's it's, this is a good problem to have. We've got three strikers now that uh, are all, you know. Well, we have not seen Hooper yet, but we know what he can potentially bring. But Kabamba, instead are putting in consistently good performances when they're playing, so it's a positive thing. And and even if he doesn't play a single minute, let's just say he doesn't play a minute for us to have someone like that in the dressing room, been there and done it at, at the top level. Um, you know, like we were saying off air, he, he was at one point in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, he was he, he was the fourth hottest he had the fourth hottest strike wake, uh, strike rake in in Europe behind. Messi, Ronaldo and, and Di Natal so <laughs> the guy's the guy's been there and done it and worn the t-shirt and yeah I think it's a coup at this level. Are you sure you're not his
0: agent Charlie? <laughs> I've, I've never heard a more glowing reference but yeah no, I take your <laughs> point it's, it's, it's really exciting and um, you know I remember I, I think we've all got our own memories of perhaps him playing as someone who watches football but his, some of his goals at Celtic were fantastic and it's great to have that experience coming into the background as well and um, quite a few questions here on Hartigan men. Um, you know, a question here from Rob saying, have we ever had a better number six than Hartigan? Uh, and also from uh, Tom Williams, uh, where does Hartigan rank amongst your best midfielders of recent years? Um, so, yeah, just your thoughts on, on Hartigan, based on what you've seen so far.
1: I can't, I'm trying to, I was scratching my brain when I saw this question. I can't think of a centre midfield player we've had with the quality that Hartigan possesses. When I look at the some, some of the players that we've played deep um, in previous teams and just even going by the championship winning teams, Togwell was a very sort of workman-like player, didn't have didn't possess anywhere near the the quality on the ball that um, Hartigan... I think the last person I can think of who remind who's a little bit like Hartigan is Dwayne Lee, but I don't, just don't see... I think Hartigan's at the next level above in terms of his ability on the ball, and those two free kicks were just outrageous Um, in terms of ridiculous, skills. They are. I mean, one thing I would say is, for the first goal yesterday, I felt that he switched off and didn't track his runner, and actually... Bobby, is it Bobby Joe Taylor? The um, I think it was uh,
0: Josh Taylor who scored the first one, not Bobby Joe. I think there's two Taylors in that team.
1: Yeah, Josh. I'm pretty sure it's Josh, Josh Taylor. Josh um, Taylor had the beating of him off the ball, and that's an area that I would like to see him get better. But when it comes to you know get having somebody who, who can distribute the ball so cleanly, it makes a huge difference. Um, you know to the way we we can play um, and the way and the areas that we can pick up. So I I love him. I think he's a brilliant brilliant player and. I can't think, the last ball player I can think of who's as good, who was like that, was Kenny Lowe, but that was, we're talking about 1991,
0: that kind of era. Yeah. Two other squad questions then. Obviously, we've seen a couple of players come into the side recently who have been missing for a while, uh, Sam Beard being one, and the lesser spotted Dom Ravan being another. Um, we've obviously got Averley uh, on uh, this weekend. Uh, and great friend of the pod, Michael, asks uh, about that game, Charlie, in regards to squad and whether or not there's a chance to perhaps rest some players and mm. and sort of see guys who, who haven't sort of been around as much to come back in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess first question, who do you think is in need of a rest? And then second of all, which of those kind of peripheral players do you expect to to start against uh, Averley?
2: I'd, may I'd switch it all up. I'd switch it all up. Um, listen, that's... The FA Cup, in I was saying this to someone yesterday. When you're sitting like mid-table or whatever, or in the bottom half, the FA Cup is something you want to go on a bit of a run on, right? Because there's nothing else to look forward to. But when we're in the position we're in now, right, where we're we're serious title contenders now, and that's the, you know that's not a joke. Um, we're not going to win the FA Cup, right? And I think everyone would choose promotion and the league over getting a third round away trip to the Emirates. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that'd be good, but come on, like, we're not going to win the FA Cup. I'd switch it all up. I'd start Gary Hooper. I'd start Revan. I'd start Potter. I'd start Gilmore in goal. Anyone who hasn't, I'd start Stead. Anyone who hasn't been getting a run of 90-minute games, start them all on Saturday. Uh, well, I don't think it's even up for debate. I'd be really, really shocked if we see um, Laurie Walker, Kabamba, Collins. Hartigan, even Hartigan-Pritchard, I'll be really shocked if they start. I think it's an opportunity to play players who haven't gained... Armstrong, senior, you know, get them all on. Um, it's not like they're terrible players, that we could play our second team and still get a result against Averley. Uh, and that's what the squad's there for. And that's what we've been crying out for for the last two, three seasons, to have a good squad. We finally got a good squad, so use it. And, you know, there's no point in risking injuries... Um, for, for the rest of the running we've got in this month and the build-up to Christmas. Um, Mem, just, such a crucial time. We've got Charlie Hole Chesterfield as well in the next month. Um, just rest them all, rest them all.
0: Then following up from that, we'll come back to the squad in a moment, but just a, a follow-up from Charlie's question, implicit in the answer there is is how seriously do we take cup competitions this year? Obviously, last season we got to within a penalty shootout away of Wembley. Is that something that we should focus on or should we kind of you know actively look to exit them or at least have a very natural exit to them by not really prioritizing them this season
1: I think the position we've got ourselves into I'm I'm 100% uh agreeing with Charlie on this um I know everybody would love to see us do well in the FA trophy. I would love to go to the final of any of the FA trophy but it is imperative that we go up and if if one of our players gets injured in the cup competition we'll be cursing um we'll be cursing the the fact that we played them in a you know Against team two, three steps below us, so I think. But wait, if he plays with a team with Dom Dom Rivan and Senior and Stead, et etc., can't beat avely Um, it says it's a bit problem. Yeah, it, and it also says a lot about the squad, and it? it says a lot about the fact that where we
2: where we strengthen. Perfect, um, perfect game. Perfect game for Hooper to get minutes as well. Totally. Yeah.
0: Uh, just just on that then final two questions on the squad that a few people have asked here in terms of first of all strengths a really good um question here from uh, Spira Stats a Chesterfield fan um, and a few others Nick as well and, and Trev asking about whether we've got what it takes to be in a title race for the whole season do we need to actively strengthen the squad anywhere so Mem just coming to you first on this we've obviously <coughs> signed Hooper and a few others recently um anywhere in particular you feel we need to strengthen, or is it kind of a case a bit like the 14-15 season of looking who's available in January and then kind of being a bit more flexible and how you adapt?
1: I think uh Dean is always looking at a player and and the beauty of the conference being that um you can you, there's no there's no transfer window. So if there are players that are out of contract, um there's a chance to bring them in. Obviously they've got to be within the non-league seat. But I would say um potentially we need a dominant centre back uh, for if euros injury is any longer than say 4 weeks i think we i personally would bring um uh, diara back because i think against uh, dorkin yesterday i thought that that's what what we were missing was just a guy to head the ball and kick it um when the when they were putting it in those channels um obviously he's not the most he's not the most progressive player but i think in in certain moments he would have been brilliant yesterday um, and I think we just need, like I said, a big guy. Um, I would say that probably need, I would bring in another left-sided player as well. Uh, another left okay. left wing back, because it looks like Coke has been out for a little while now. And, I, and I, I'm I not convinced. I know a lot of people love Sam Beard, but I'm not convinced with Sam Beard, and I've not been convinced with Sam Beard
2: for a while. Um, I'd, take, I'd, I'd, I'd take Bobby Joe Taylor from Dawkins, to be fair.
0: Yeah, he's I mean he's he's had a he's had a couple of I think he's had six conference clubs and young guy really fits And the kind of flip side to that question, Charlie, and one that we haven't covered, and we're going to cover it now with two questions. The first one to yourself is that obviously we talk about players coming in and, and players that are doing well. There is a risk that we are doing really well in the league that we're going to end up losing a couple of players. So let's deal with the playing first of all who do you see as risks perhaps leaving in January um, and yeah where, where's your kind of sense on that Charlie
2: well first and foremost I think Collins is going to be the most sought after you know what I mean you don't score six goals from centre half and, and get uh, and and not get um, interest from other clubs so I think Collins Collins is going to be difficult to keep hold of um, There's I don't know what it's like in the contract um, but there's you know there's always the chance that Hartigan can get recalled I don't know if that's part and parcel of the deal. But, you know, all it takes is a, a Mansfield injury and, and then he's gone back there. Uh So that's always a risk as well when you've got a player on loan. Um I think the ship sailed with Kabamba. I know there was a bit of interest of him going in the summer, but I, I think personally, I feel like it was sort of with his age and stuff, I thought it was now or never really. If he was going to go, he would have gone after it. So I'm not worried about Kabamba. I feel like we'll have him for, for a bit longer. Um, but yeah, no one really... You know Brendan as well. I've seen Brendan being linked to the Gillingham job apparently on Twitter. You know we've got him tied down for how many three or four years, so it's not too much of a worry. But um, listen, when you're at the top and you're fighting for promotion, you're doing well. People are going to have their eyes on you, on your manager and your players. So we're always at risk in that respect. But listen, there's something special happening, and I think it's easy for us to say as fans. But you know, you'd be a fool. You'd be a fool to leave. This at the moment, you know, even in January, if we're still up there, you, I'd like to think everyone would like to sort of see out the season and then finish what they've started.
0: Mem, same questions to you, and, and also perhaps touching on the Dean situation because there is a, I think, a quite a high risk there as as well, perhaps of a lot of interest and potentially some, you know, instability there if we if we don't uh, make it really difficult for people to get hold of them.
1: But I think on the first point about Charlie, about who um, who's at risk we've already had a bid for Collinge and we turned it down out of hand. Um, and and that was from a League Two team. The, I think ultimately, I think we're safe until the January window, uh, until the, sorry, the next transfer window, because I can't see any of our players wanting to go to another club in our division, um, in our position, because we've got everything to play for. So I think we're safe until January. And even then, I look at the club. And I, I, I disagree with Charlie about Kabamba because I think that when clubs get desperate, and there will be clubs that maybe in a high division, to get desperate and will take will take a punt and will want a player that's scoring goals, and and there's not many of them around, and uh, that will be when Kabamba becomes a bit more uh, valuable to other teams um, who are you know fighting for their lives somewhere, trying to or or even pushing on for promotion in, in a higher league. The Dean Brennan situation. I go back to what I said in pre-season, which I think is that if there is another club that comes in for him in a higher division who are struggling, I think Dean would probably look at that and think, I've got to do a lot of work unraveling that and rebuilding that. And I've I've already done that at Barnet. And I kind of want to see the fruits of my labour this season. And I think that if if he was if he was to get us somewhere and we didn't we missed that promotion just by by a tiny margin. I think that's the point where we might be in danger of losing him uh, because he might look at it and go, you know what? I did everything I could and now I can go. But I don't—I can't see him doing it mid-season. I'd be shocked if he doesn't mid-season.
0: A couple of other really good questions here uh, from people. There's a few that have been answered themselves a really lively chat between some people on Twitter, Ben, Nicholas and, and Nathan, about whether or not this is the best Barnett side we've seen in the Hive. Um, but a, a couple here that I wanted just to quickly touch upon uh, before we wrap things up. Um, in terms of, I guess, like looking forwards through the season and, and kind of getting a sense of how it how it plays out. Um, so we talked a little bit about Brennan there and the risk to that in terms of other teams in this league. Um, do we see any other threats that potentially might come for the title apart from Chesterfield or do we feel this is a, a two horse race? or Was it still way too early to say that? Um, we've seen Solihull kick up a, a really, really good start to the season, unbeaten until they lost to Aldershot on Saturday. So, Charlie, first of all, any other sides that you think might might sort of step into this promotion race? People also mentioning Oldham, perhaps now that they've got their, their ownership sorted, and even though South End have had a, a a nine point deduction, you know they would be seventh or eighth, and are only surely going to get better with a with a you know option to make more signings.
2: Look, there's a lot, there's a lot of points to still play for. However, Christmas, I think, is a bit of a Better time to say you know it's a two horse race or a three horse race. There's teams who are really going under the radar. Ult- Ultringham are really going, I think they're on twenty seven points in fourth now. I think they're just sort of come out of nowhere. But we've beaten them, you know, and we've beaten we've beaten a uh, uh, Bromley and we've beaten a lot of teams who are up there. on um, Chesterfield, I, th- I think I read to Chesterfield I haven't really played any of the top seven yet. Um, I I personally think it's 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 going to be between us or Chesterfield. Um, I think we're the best two teams in the division. I still don't buy. I still don't buy Oldham. Um, don't don't like, don't look like look, look at Hartlepool. I said that Bournemouth. I thought with Bournemouth we were going to struggle at the start of the season, and um, I said about Woking as well. I said in, in the pre season show that I said that Woking. I think are going to surprise a few people. I don't think they're going to be out there, and they're not. And they've signed Alfie Pavey, who's still not scored. So not worried. About, I'm not worried about anyone because uh, I am I think Chesterfield are going to win it. So the only thing we've got to worry about is finishing second, which I think we're going to do.
0: A couple of final questions then, just on some general points that I thought would be quite interesting. question here from Lee Clifton, uh, one of them about the, the ground, uh, which someone else has answered. But another one here, uh, do you think clubs in non-Each football should be allowed to name seven subs on the bench should be allowed to use five subs in every game? I know we're, we've talked a lot about Barnett on this show, but just quickly on that, yeah. we've seen now these new regulations around time-wasting and injuries, etc., Beginning to perhaps play some thing of an impact, perhaps on injuries. And we've seen some of the Ferrari die down, right. but 15 games into the league, a quick assessment on that. And then uh, to Lee's question about the five subs and, and seven potential subs.
1: I think where you're going to get some resistance from clubs in our league is to actually have seven plus or 11 plus players are injured. You're asking club, cl- clubs to carry quite big squads. I personally would just go, you name five substitutes on the bench you can bring them, eat every, eat any of them on and so have it that way <coughs> rather than have it sort of seven and five from seven I would say five subs you can put you can use every single one of them
2: yeah I'd probably agree with that to be fair um I feel like you know with the amount of games there are Tuesday Saturday Tuesday Saturday look at, you know it's look what's happened with our injuries over the last week I think to have the sub there I think we should be allowed to we should be allowed to use them um and I think there should be more players uh, on the bench as well. Like you know, we've got big players who are missing out. Like seniors, you know, been really unlucky this year. But you had an extra two spots on the bench, and you know, we've got pretty much our full squad um, there to, to, to use and utilize. So I think yeah, just because the quick turnaround of games in this league, especially with the FA Cup now starting in the FA Trophy, I think it should just be a given really. And I'm not I'm not sure why it's still only still only three.
0: Well, um, guys, we've, we've covered a huge amount on this poll. Thank you so much, everyone, for their questions. I've tried to get through all of them. There are a couple of absolutely brilliant ones that I've um, I've sort of saved for a later date, just because I think it may be better sections of the podcast. We've obviously, we got, in the upcoming month, a couple of really important things. Um, we've got big games against Solihull and Chesterfield, Chesterfield on the not-too-distant horizon, um, as well as the kind of valid point made by Dean and other managers that every single game at this level is d- difficult and competitive. Um Mem looking ahead to perhaps the start of November then we've got um you know a couple of big games coming up and also some cup games what are your kind of realistic hopes for us to be in say six or seven games time where would you like to see Barnett and um yeah what, what are your kind of hopes and aspirations for the next sort of mini sprint of the season to perhaps around the midway mark uh, of the campaign well I think I think is it a couple of weeks before we have um uh, a league match
1: so I think between um now and the
0: Averley yeah Averley next weekend in the cup and then the weekend after that, I think we've got a home game. I think Maiden- yeah, Maidenhead Maiden at
1: home, yeah. Yeah, so we've got... I mean, we've got... We've actually got in the next month, we've got some interesting games. So we've got a couple of very winnable ones, Maidenhead, Maidenhead and uh, Oxford City. Um, we've got Solihull at home. And then we've got Chesterfield away coming up, as well as, um, I believe... I can't remember who we've got on the 4th of November. Um, But... um, So... That'll be very interesting games. I remember okay.
2: there, there isn't um there isn't a game that weekend. I believe that's the uh, FA Trophy, which hasn't been drawn yet. Okay, so we've got,
1: like I said, four games, two of which we should. I would expect six points from. I think we can beat Solihull, and if we can get a point out of Chesterfield, then I would be quite happy with that. That's 10, 10 points. Um, I was just working out. Sorry, I know this is slightly going off the topic, but. I was just looking at the, the the league table and the number of points that have been gathered already by between the top three, and I'm not sure other teams will be able to step up their game to get to start to to match the points totals we're going to be getting. If we go into this next run of games and we get ten points, that's two and a half points a game. Am I right? In saying four points,
0: yeah. All four games, ten points, two and a half. Yeah.
1: yeah two and a half. So. If we keep above two point three, which is what we're on at the moment, there's no way any club is going to be able to is going to be able to match that that um that points total to to you know to be able to make up the the to make up the points on us. Uh, we I think we have kind of slightly underestimated just how well we've done, We've come out of the blocks. Yeah. All right. Other teams are going to have to really really ramp up their their points um and the number of games are you know the number of draws are turning. into I mean-
2: we're twelve points clear already of the final of the final playoff spot, which is outrageous, really. Um, if you think that's what our target was last year to get the playoffs, and the fact that we pulled away from Sullyhole now—I know it's only five points—but you know that's a that is a big margin, especially when you see our coming upcoming games, and we're expecting to get you know eight, nine, ten points out of that out of those four games, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got Ultramu at eight behind us in, in fourth, so. I think we really are gonna, in my opinion, in the next four or five weeks, we're gonna pretty much confirm our position in in the top three. Uh, in my in my because I don't think we'll be caught, and then it's just about you know the the lottery of whether we can go whether we can go one better and win it. But I, I genuinely genuinely believe we will have that one home game, uh, in the playoffs. Sort of, you know, the the we've to screw off the eliminator. I think we'll have that in the bag pretty early doors. To be fair.
1: We we could feasibly drop down to two points a game, and we would still accumulate ninety-seven points. So if we if we so at two points a game, that would be that would mean um, two wins, two draws for every four games. Um, or you know, yeah, I mean, essentially that, yeah, eight eight points for yeah. yeah, two points a win. If we get two points a game and average that for the rest of the season, that's ninety-seven points. There's been there has been conference championships won with that points total this is a, we've we have we, we have really come out of blocks just because we sit we're second and there's some other teams you know in in the third fourth or fifth we've accumulated a lot of points
0: well mm. um both of you it's, it's a really exciting time to be a barnet fan and i go back to the tweet we put up the other day about you know just how far we've come in in a two-year period Um, it's really quite remarkable and uh but we you know we should really enjoy the ride while we can Um, A huge thank you to both of you for uh, coming on. uh, And thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, Final reminder from me that um, you can still, there is still time to vote for BeastPod uh, in the FCAs. So if you, uh, your friends, your family, your extended family, your neighbours, your work colleagues have not done so yet, please do the right thing. Spread the word. Uh, we really really appreciate it uh, we'll be back in the not too distant future with a couple of shows um a kind of reverse draft that we're really excited about uh and then uh, our regular shows updating you on the bees progress but until then uh it's goodbye from me ian thank you so much man thanks a lot thank you very much charlie see you later lads. and until next time come on you bees thank you for listening